Good morning, everyone. Great to see you today. Um, I'm Neil Allen, one of the elders here at Gray CP. Uh, to prepare for, prepare for Pastor Lee's sermon this morning, I'd like to share with you some related scripture. First, from Daniel 4, 13 to 17. And this portion of text is concerning Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. Hear God's word. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him, let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sins is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men, and gives to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. The second reading is from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, and, and both of these are from the ESV, English Standard Version text. The birth of Jesus Christ, hear God's word. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Please pray with me. Abba Father, let us set our love upon you as we worship and praise you this day. We have known your name and called upon you in times of trouble. We are grateful for your faithfulness and your wonderful salvation. Prepare our hearts, O Lord, as Pastor Lee teaches from your word this morning, and may the Holy Spirit give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, once again. It's great to be back with you and to uh, share God's word with you today. If you take your Bible and turn to Revelation 22, whether you have an e-Bible or a hard copy Bible, 
If you have a Bible with you, it's good to have the Bible open. We'll start there in a minute. While you're turning to that, let me just uh, say that uh, my wife is with me today, Nancy, and she's in the front here and will hopefully be with me the rest of our Sundays together. And uh, she's my much better half, that's for sure. She is uh, a teacher and uh, has taught for years for uh, homeschoolers on online college-level courses. So she has a very interesting career all by herself, not to mention the mother of four children and 15 grandchildren. So she's uh, been a busy lady. Revelation 22. And as we look at this, as I read this today, let me just remind you that there's a common theme in this passage, the Matthew 1 passage and the Daniel 4 passage. And we'll talk about that. In the meantime, you can think about what that common theme might be. Uh, You probably can figure that out if you are doing any other reading of the bulletin this morning. But Revelation 22 says this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book, is what Jesus actually said in this chapter. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, you must not do that. You must not do that, John. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God, not me. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. For Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside of the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. But I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anybody adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. 
Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of this passage and the words of the other parts of the scriptures that I will share today would be your words, not just my words. May, if need be, they find root in our hearts as we think about how wonderful you are, especially how you acted in the world as you prepared to send your son to this earth. Give us insights. Thank you for your presence today through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, his thankful people said, Amen. Amen. Last week, I mentioned to you that I, all of my short time here at the church, I want to talk about um, things that God was doing and other personalities of the Scripture before Jesus came. And I couldn't just start with uh, some of the characters that are familiar to us. I started last week with God the Father, because after all, this is all about what God had planned and prepared for us, isn't it? And I mentioned last week that God in heaven was very, very busy, even before he created the earth. We know this, at least the taste of it, because we know he created angels before he created us and created some of the earth. We don't know exactly when that happened, but he created angels. And we also know that God created angels with total free will, just like Adam and Eve. The only creatures that have ever been created that have free will. Because every creature since then has fallen and is dead in his sins. But anyway, we find out in that, those days that one of the princes of heaven, we now know as Lucifer, gathered probably about a third of the angels in heaven and rebelled against God. Even when I say that, it just amazes me that we look back and we see that God, who we think is in a perfect place, had to reckon with sin of those he had just created. That's amazing. And really, the rest of the Bible, the rest of history is a story of the ramifications of that first act of sin, and then God sending those angels down to earth. One commentator that we revere in our circle said, probably this happened just before Adam and Eve were created, because when Adam and Eve were in the garden, Satan was already there, took the form of a serpent. And we know that they tempted Adam and Eve, and they, who had perfectly, a perfectly perfect life, and all they had to do was obey one rule, don't eat of the tree of good and knowledge of evil, of good and evil, blew it, didn't they? And they sinned. Satan tempted them and they sinned and they fell and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. We talked about some of that last week. And God's been very, very busy from that point on as he prepared for, as we read last week from Galatians, in the fullness of time, he sent Jesus to us. Someday we will discover what he meant, what the Bible means when it says in the fullness of time, but we certainly get a little gist of it, don't we? At the, at the right time, at the right time in God's perspective, he sent his son Jesus to come to fulfill all the promises that had been promised beforehand to save his people, as we read this morning, from their sin. Those are just some of the things we talked about last week in case you weren't here Today we press on, though, and talk about another aspect of God's preparation of Jesus' coming, which has to do with those other creatures he created, angels. The common denominator in the Daniel passage we read was that it was talking about 
angels that the king saw and that Daniel was helping him understand. And we find that, of course, when Jesus' birth was announced, it was angel, an angel coming to Joseph and Mary to tell them what was going on. And that's just the beginning. Before we go on for the, a few thoughts, specific thoughts about what angels do, I want to just mention that the Daniel passage in the ESV, the only time the word angel is translated watchers, watchers. That's why in that, the only place in the Bible you will find that being used to describe the angels that King saw, watchers. Now, I like to read, read stories uh, I like to read crimes that are being solved. I like to read fiction. I like to read other things. And you'll notice if you're a reader or even somewhat of a TV or movie watcher that a lot of themes in books and movies have to do with somebody's watching. Generally, it's a nefarious person who allegedly is watching and somebody has felt that they're being watched. And sometimes that's actually true when nasty, evil people hide behind bushes, lurking there to do their dastardly duties. And it makes us nervous, doesn't it, to think about somebody watching us. On the other hand, there are some TV shows that have been uh, put on, on the screen in recent years about angels coming to earth and helping people out and to guide them along their path. Some of you have watched some of those movies. Watchers. Watchers. The word watcher in the Hebrew is literally called ear. And uh, I-H-R. It means wakeful one or watcher or guard. Isn't it interesting that this king in Daniel, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, is that correct? Got a blank here. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was having a dream and God used angels in the dream to give him some information which he didn't understand. And they're called watchers because they are watching over Nebuchadnezzar's world and, and lifetime and God is using them in that passage to introduce some important things to Nebuchadnezzar the king, for which Daniel then was able to interpret, also using the word watcher. Now that word watcher gives you a little clue, doesn't it, about some of the things angels do? Angels are real creatures. They don't have bodies like us. They don't, they're neither male nor female, although angels generally in the Bible, always in the Bible, are always depicted as a, a male they come in a male form to people, it appears. But they come, angels come generally with a, in three, a three-part mission, but we're going to go into some details today. They either carry a message, fulfill a specific mission or assignment, or represent the one sending him. In Nebuchadnezzar's case, the angels were carrying a message, and they were fulfilling a specific mission of God to introduce Nebuchadnezzar to some important things. Angels are also called in the Bible malak, which means representative or messenger or angel. In the Greek, angelos, which of course means messenger, angel. And these angels, these creatures God created from the very beginning who had to go to war right away with a rebellious angels, have had a very important part in God's unfolding of his plan of redemption. Now overall, with all the words of the Bible... Angels are not mentioned that much, except when they are mentioned, whoa, they are doing some important and critical things, some of which we'll address today. But as usual, there's never enough time to go over all the details, but 
By the way, Ear, the wakeful one, a watcher, is the name of an angel who serves as an envoy, constantly observing the activities of men, and they're ready to carry out the Lord's judgment. So those angels that were in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know it at the time, but they were ready to say something is going to happen here. Neb, you better be careful and get some good information on this. Angels didn't, as I said, didn't participate in marriage. There's a passage in the Bible that talks about that, that uh, the sons of men married uh, the sons of God, and some people think those are angels, but we don't really think that's possible because they don't have, the, they don't look at sexuality the same way we do. One of the angels in the Bible, which, uh, which would, would demand a whole other sermon, one of the angels in the Bible is mentioned, often mentioned as the Lord of hosts or the angel of God, probably is a pre-incarnate manifestation actually of Jesus who came to earth in the form of an angel or a man. And that's an interesting personal study for you someday to look that up and see where that goes. He's sometimes called the angel of Jehovah, the angel of the Lord. And that angel did things like lead the Israelites out of bondage in the wilderness. Angel of the Lord. There are, of course, as I mentioned earlier, fallen angels. We talked about that a little bit last week. We know that the one who led the cry out of heaven, led the, bat, led the uh, rebellious folk out of heaven, was one that we call Lucifer, but the actual name for him in Isaiah is the star of the morning, or day star. When you look, when you translate all that, which also has a reference to Venus, by the way, in the Greek thinking, the same words are used in the Greek Old Testament, it all transliterates when you add the Latin to it, to Lucifer. So we call him Lucifer, but he's only one of three angels named in the Bible. Lucifer, Michael, and Gabriel. The Apocrypha, which we do not claim as part of the canon, even attempts to name other angels in that book, and sometimes people have thought that was biblical, but we're not so sure that is, that is true. But Lucifer rebelled against God, and Someone suggested that in that time when God created them in heaven, they probably were in kind of a probationary period, much like Adam and Eve were in. Here's the law, here's the rule, here's the perfect place. All you have to do is obey me. Things will be well. But Lucifer decided to rebel against God. Can you imagine living with God and saying, ah, I want to do things my own way. I think I can do things better, God. Can you imagine the arrogance and the hubris of someone like Satan, who in Revelation 12 is called the dragon, the accuser, the deceiver. There probably aren't enough bad names to describe him and what he did in history. So we come along to this God's, behavior, God's activities and plans before Jesus came to earth, and we find that there's a really important part the angels play in all this. In your book, in your, your uh, bulletin, you notice there's a little outline if you want to take notes, and the kids have their own little outline today. And by the way, I wanted to remind you, young people, as I did last week, that, that the Bible does talk about dragons, and that's another name for Satan. And there are lots of movies and even books have been produced over many years with a dragon in it. 
Sometimes a dragon is good. Sometimes it's somebody you can tame and ride on. But where did all that come from? The thoughts of that probably came from God's word initially as they were describing Satan, who says, the dragon. But Satan is definitely an evil dragon, is never a good dragon, never a good serpent. He is always, always evil, wants to destroy life wherever he could find it. Satan wants to take what is good and twist it around so it seems like it's bad. He wants to take what is bad and he wants to twist it around and make you think it's good. And many of you folk with gray hair like mine can just give probably testimony after testimony of the wiles of Satan in your life as you have seen him operate maybe in your own life and your family's life. But what about angels then as they look towards Jesus' coming? Angels, first of all, announce and forewarn. If you're taking notes, that's the second part of that note. They announce things and they forewarn. We just read in Matthew 1 that the angel... Gabriel came to Joseph and Mary. Okay, I, it's just hard to imagine what that'd be like. There you are, little car, carpenter trying to make a living. There's Mary, young, betrothed to Joseph. Not married yet, but betrothed, as was the custom. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord comes and appears to them. I don't know if he sat down with them or said, let's have a cup of coffee. I don't know what the angel did. But he gave them this incredible announcement of what was to happen to them. The Bible doesn't give us any indication that Joseph and Mary were were afraid or anything, but more about them in a couple of weeks. But um, an angel came and spoke to them to announce to them about a very important birth. Did you know an angel also was there to announce the birth of Isaac and Samson and John the Baptist? An angel of the Lord was there to announce to those folk, too, that they were going to have a baby. And maybe angels were involved in a lot of other births and not mentioned in the Bible, but we know those for sure. But the angels also came not only to announce, but sometimes to forewarn. So you can probably think of some examples yourself, but what about Abraham and Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah? What, what happened there? Three men, angels, came to warn them about how, what they should do about their particular status in that community. And that's just one example. Angels also, angels also came to Daniel to talk about God's future judgments and a lot of Daniel as it's tied to Revelation. Angels are involved in what's going to happen in the future as we read in Revelation 22. For in this Revelation 22 we just read a few minutes ago, we find that John was getting information from the angel about what was to happen in the, in, in the future. And then angel, the angel showed him the river of the water of life. The throne of God and the Lamb. I don't know how long this discussion was with the angel and John, but he was explaining something about eternity and heaven. What an amazing event that must have been for John. And we also know, of course, angels are throughout the rest of Revelation. So angels come, they announce and forewarn. Angels also guide and instruct. I think there's an exciting passage here that... uh, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 12. So if you are quick quick with your fingers, you might want to turn to it as well. Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. Listen to this. Acts 6, excuse me, Acts 12, verse 6. Herod, the king, had just killed James, the brother of John. 
and he proceeded to arrest Peter. That's the context. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door regarding their prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before him, and a light shone in the cell. And the angel struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly! And the chains fell off his hands. Pretty good guidance so far, wouldn't you say, from the angel? Follow me. Let me take care of these chains for you. And the angel said, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel, but the, he, he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened up for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Talk about a movie script. Wouldn't that be a great part of a movie script, just that element alone? And Peter came to himself. He said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Angels give advice, they guide, and they also instruct. The instructions are real specific in this case. You know, put on your cloak, follow me, and then he left. But an interesting part of this was later on in this passage when he realized what was happening. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying maybe praying for Peter who had just been put in jail. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she didn't open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she insisted, yeah, it's Peter. It's Peter for sure. And they kept saying, you're out of your mind, and it's just his angel. It's just his angel. They knew that there were angels, real angels, not visionary angels. Do you think they knew that an angel came to Mary and Joseph, that that word had gotten out? The point is that this was a real angel giving guidance and instruction. And people who were part of Jesus' disciples had no problem just saying, oh, it's, one of, it's Peter's angel. We don't know much more than that, my friends. Do you have a guardian angel? I don't know. Maybe. Peter, is this a guardian angel? He certainly helped Peter in that particular situation. It's one of the little hints about angels in the scriptures that we won't know a lot more about until we get to heaven. And maybe there will be a guardian angel waiting for you. Let me tell you about all the times I was working for you and let me explain to you all the times I helped you when you didn't realize you were being helped. Who knows what heaven will be like, but it may include such things. And people are saying, yeah, there's your angel over there. I don't know. I think that's real exciting. Angels also guide and instruct. For example, we find that in Acts 7.38, we find this as well. Acts 7.38, going back to the Old Testament with Moses and so on, and... Um, this Moses, whom they rejected, this is Stephen speaking, who makes you a ruler and a judge? This man, 
God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. God spoke to Moses in the burning bush, but it says the angel, who looked like he was on fire, spoke from the bush. Later in this passage, in verse in Acts 7 53, we read this. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Stephen was talking to the religious rulers of the day. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. God was busy preparing for the coming of his son. And all the different stories and historical accounts in the Old Testament, particularly where uh, angels are involved, are all a critical part of the story as God used an angel to guide and instruct his people. I personally think that was one of the intimate ways in which a personal God was developing his plan of redemption, making sure people understood it. He sent his angels to guide them. Pretty remarkable. Angels do more than that, though. They also guard and defend. They guide and instruct, and they guard and defend. We don't have to look very far in the Old Testament to understand the Passover event, do we? Where if blood was put on the doorpost of God's people, the angels would guard, the angel of death would pass over their home. That was an angel guarding them, but also bringing judgment and destruction on, and judgment on people. More about that in a minute. The Bible says something interesting in Matthew 18 10, which goes like this. I'm going to read it to you. Matthew 18, 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you make of that? Children. It's another hint here that maybe there are individual angels helping individuals. But don't despise one of these ones, for in heaven there are angels. Always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And it goes on to talk about the finding the lost sheep, the one of the ninety and nine. Read it for yourself. These little hints and little, little accounts of angels pop up in the Bible at some very significant times. And they give us some insight about the importance of them to God as he was unveiling his plan of redemption. I mentioned before, they also guided Israel out of slavery in the wilderness. And an angel of the Lord was in the pillar of fire at night and the pillar in the cloud by day. How God put that all together, we don't know. Some of us believe that also was the Shekinah glory of God, but it was involved with the angels for sure. And there the people were being guided by an angel of the Lord in a cloud in the daytime and fire at nighttime. Pretty dramatic history, isn't it? We also find that angels also minister in need. They minister in need. We find that Jesus was ministered to by angels in the Garden of Gethsemane. We find that people like 
even Ishmael, was ministered to by an angel as he was cast out of the family by Abraham and was, didn't know what was going on, he and his mother, but an angel of the Lord ministered to them. Angels come alongside, as he did with Peter, ministering to him in the jail cell, as well as guiding him and instructing him. One of the main words of angels in the Bible is, is minister, but in the sense of helping God, not that God needs help, but he uses angels to minister personally to people there. We also lastly know that when it comes to angels and their ministry and preparation before Jesus came, that they also assisted in judgment. Angels assisted in judgment. Revelation tells us clearly in Revelation 12, we read last week, that it, the angels come and they throw Satan into the pit. Talk about him finally getting his comeuppance. He who decided to rebel and take a third of the angels with him to become demons. They were cast into the fiery pit finally by angels. And also we find, for example, Herod Agrippa's death was monitored and facilitated by angels. Terrible king. And on we go. My point, I suppose, today would be simply this, that my friends, as God was preparing for the sending of his son, the most significant act of our history, as he was preparing, why did he take all that time to prepare Jesus to go? I don't know. All I know is in the fullness of time, God decided he would send Jesus. And in that process, with the Israelites, with certain kings, with, with even people like Ishmael, with others, angels were coming to minister in various ways as God prepared. So when we get to the part next month on the Advent Sundays where a little talk a little more about the angels coming to Mary and Joseph and others, we ought to be especially tuned in to the amazing, that amazing part of history. That he would be so concerned for you and me and for his people that he would send ministering spirits at just the right time to do a variety of things, as we just said. So what do you do with information like this? What do you do? Okay, so Pastor Lee, thank you for talking to us about angels. So, so what? So what is this? So what? What do I do? What do I do with this information? Well, just a little tip: uh, in our home for Christmas tree, we have used an angel to put on top of the tree. Some people put stars. We don't use we don't use images of Jesus on our tree, but an angel is there. I love having that angel and seeing our Christmas tree with the angel on it. Of course, it depicts the announcement of Jesus coming to the shepherds, the announcement of Jesus coming to Mary and Joseph. But that also angels are real. They're real. So, I would say to you, number one, angels, be alert. Be alert. You need to be alert, the Bible says, to Satan's wiles as a roaring lion. But the Bible also suggests to us that since there are these real creatures that are amazing, crea amazing creation of God, we need to be alert because you never know how they might impact you personally. Nancy and I, maybe you too, have read many stories these days of how angels are being used to help Muslims come to Christ. They're seeing visions of Jesus, and also angels are 
helping them understand this. Pretty amazing. But the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, and let me just read it because I think it's such a challenging verse. In Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, you've all heard it before. We need to be alert because, and let brotherly love continue because do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I've heard stories of people who saw somebody, they were in a terrible car accident. For example, one example I just heard recently, terrible car accident. And this person saw somebody who nobody else saw at that site. No EMT, no fireman, no policeman saw this other person. And that person helped them get out of the vehicle. I think that's probably an angel. But so be alert, my friends. We never know when God might decide to reveal an angel to us, maybe as a stranger. You don't know, but the Bible encourages us to exercise brotherly love and don't neglect hospitality. I've often thought, okay, we've invited people to our home for lunch and dinner, but I've never been an extra person there that wasn't invited, so I don't know if angels are there or not, but... You know, and those friends that I know don't seem to be like angels, but you know, well, anyway, we'll, we'll go with that. But wouldn't it be exciting if we were to come to that realization that there was an angel actually in that room? We didn't see him that particular time. Maybe heaven will reveal all that. So be alert, but also be thankful. God is concerned more for you as his people than possibly you think. How do we know this? Because all throughout the Bible story, he has been ministering to his people through his spirit ministering to his people by good leaders like Moses and David and others, imperfect as they are. But angels are part of a lot of the drama as God was preparing the world for Jesus. And then they, of course, had this incredible role of announcing the coming of the Son. And as we read in Revelation, they will be assisting us with our worship and praise in heaven. And they are even at this moment singing, praising God in heaven. By the way, why do we sing? Well, we sing because it's beautiful, but you know why else we sing in church? It's practice for heaven. It's practice. A little, little taste of heaven should be right here in this church. The Bible says marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride. Our marriages ought to be a little taste of heaven for those who interact with our homes, our children, and our friends. I tell married couples when I'm marrying them that, that if you want to have a goal for your marriage, have it, your home be a place of safety, a little taste of heaven, because after all, your marriage is a, is a representation of Christ and his bride. Be thankful God is concerned for you. He's given us angels. He's given us but more than angels, he's given us Jesus. Lastly, be glad. I would, hope you would, I would hope you would leave here today saying, wow, Lord, I've never seen an angel. Maybe it'd be fun to see one before I die, but I know I'll see them later. But Lord, thank you. And I, I'm glad to know that people are watching over us. Besides you and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, there are angels watching over us. And maybe the discussion in heaven is, is about, yes, you know, 
Susie's angel is, was very busy yesterday as he was watching her maneuver around home, arguing with her siblings. I, you, we don't know how that's going to happen, but friends, be glad that God provides angels. We can't possibly know all about them on this earth, but we know they existed, we know they did these things, and so be glad. If you take the Trinity hymnal sometime or any other hymnal, you'll notice that a lot of our hymns speak about angels, but I think if you're like me, you just kind of sing the stanza and don't think too much about it. But consider the song, the hymn number 18 in the Trinity hymnal, You Holy Angels Bright. You holy angels bright who wait at God's right hand or through the realms of light fly at your Lord's command. Assist our song, for else the theme too high does seem for mortal tongue. Help us through your angels, Lord, who know about singing. Holy angels bright who wait at God's right hand, or through the realms of light fly at your Lord's command. Assist our song, or otherwise the theme would be too high for a mortal tongue. Angels could help us sing. The next hymn, 19 on the Trinity Hymnal, says this, second stanza. To thee aloud, thee we adore, eternal lords, the name of the hymn. To thee aloud, all angels cry, the heavens and all the powers on high. Thee, holy, 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 holy king, Lord God of hosts, they ever sing. Lord God of hosts, they, the angels, ever sing. just came across a poem. I'm not sure if it was written by George Whitfield, famous evangelist preacher in the 1700s, or if he got it from some other place. I don't know the author, but here's what he said in the first stanza of this poem. And I'll leave this with you this morning. Come, let us adore the Lord's gracious hand, who gave a command and charge to his angels to watch round our bed to guard us from evils from danger and dread. I know you're thankful for Jesus. Are you thankful for all the other means that he used to prepare for his coming? All the wonderful, fantastic, historical stories of the Bible. The preparation and the symbolism and the types and shadows and sacrifices that all give hints of Jesus to come. All this now is known to us. And the angels had a part of it all. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to think that maybe we joined angels in heaven singing this morning, maybe joining with us, is remarkable. To consider their role in the preparation of Jesus coming to this earth is truly awesome. And Father, we recognize and admit that we don't understand all these things and how they all work together, but we know that angels are there. They are working now. They are doing these things we mentioned today. And Father, we thank you and praise you for them. Help us to be alert, to be glad, and be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thought would be this. And your assistant pastor, Nick, 
touched on it this morning. You know, angels mainly came to God's people. Sometimes, though, they are used, like in Nebuchadnezzar's case, to warn them. But it's people who love God and know God and know Jesus that can be especially tuned in to the angelic realm. If you don't know Jesus, then some of these things may seem like way too fiction for you to consider. But they're real. But it comes by oftentimes having our eyes opened by coming in faith and repentance to Jesus, the one God sent after all this preparation to give us life. If you're not a Christian today, I hope you might consider your relationship to God. I would not want to see you on the judgment day cast into hell with the rest of the fallen angels forever because you simply wanted to go like the fallen angels, go your own way and not bow down to the God of the universe and to his provision for your sin. May this be a day of salvation for you. Amen.